All right. Hey, welcome to cover three, Coach TJ style. Uh, it's me riding solo tonight uh, as my two co-hosts can't make it uh, this evening. Maybe we'll be joined in by one of our co-hosts, Stephen Fellows. Um, pretty hoping, optimistic that he'll be able to jump in at some point. But if not, we're still going to kick this off. Uh, tonight, I've got two guests uh, with me. Got Ray Ray from Boise State. And I've got a Mac coach uh, in Josh Clayton, a.k.a. Wookie. Um, who's also safety for Texas A&M. Um, guys, welcome to the show. Greatly appreciate y'all taking the time out of your schedules to be here tonight and uh, give some give some content back to the uh, CFSL. Absolutely. Thanks for allowing me on. It's been a minute since I've been on this side of the podcast table. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, absolutely. I mean, normally you're the one asking all the questions and and going through and coming up with topics and trying to figure things out um, content wise. And uh, so how's it feel to finally be on the other side of it again? Oh, it's nice. I can sit back, kick my feet up, <laughs> just talk some football. Awesome. Absolutely. I love it. So what we're going to do in the first sort of segment of this is just sort of recap uh, week five and you know this week's been really really difficult because it's been an off week for the CFSL and sort of a bye week for everybody so I know everybody's sort of focused on week six um, and because of its extension but sort of want to go back and just revisit some some things that maybe y'all saw in week five that maybe stuck out or surprised y'all a little bit because um, week five was it was a special week you know, Josh, tell me, what, what what was your takeaways of week five? Um, that the top of the rankings is pretty much secured until proven otherwise. But when you look at rank four through ten, it's a crapshoot. It, it, it really is. You're splitting hairs to try to figure out. What team's better than this team? Who? What team has a better loss than this team? Who has a better win? What have they done the last couple of weeks? What's their? You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. On and all the discussions and league chat's been super super fun. I know I've gotten into it with a couple people about uh, where they think A and M's ranked, uh, but uh, Boise's looking super super dominant. I know they got a couple of tough matchups left. Uh, Oklahoma State's doing what they did last year, picking up where they left off. And looking like they want to do with their inventions. And uh, if you look at the MAC level, a couple upsets this week. And, you know, Ohio is still looking as dominant as they have been. Miami University is looking like they're coming into their own and they found a set of numbers that worked very well for them. So it's a super, super exciting week and uh, looking forward to moving on with it. Absolutely. Um, Ray Ray, tell me, what what are your thoughts on week five? Where did you see things happen? Um, and what sort of stuck out most to you? Um, so so reiterating on what uh what Wookie said, um the top the top of the league is the top of the league. There there's they're the class of the league and it's it's by a pretty fair margin at this point. Um <clears throat> what stuck out to me is is Miami is not who we thought they were 
at the beginning of the season, but are now starting to look like who we thought they were at the beginning of the season. If you get if you get what I'm saying, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, and and the big takeaway is again the playoff picture is a muddled mess right now. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, the the top three or four is pretty locked in. The rest, good luck. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and you know, week four, week five, both just upsets and. You know, the teams that you thought, oh, that, that team's for sure going to win. Uh, you're like, oh, crap, they didn't win. <laughs> and, um, you know, so absolutely, you know, when you look at ranks one through, probably really one through five, I'd say are, are pretty solid. Um, and it's five through ten, or really six through ten, that is going to really dictate who else gets into into the, uh, the playoffs. And, you know, that's going to be something that we're going to talk about later on um but you know we're coming into week six and you know both of y'all are game planning for for your teams um actually all three of us are game planning for our teams and we sort of had that extra week and one thing that we were talking about just a few minutes ago is like oh my gosh i'm tired of simming against this one team over and over like i'm done done um what what do you think are the predict? What are your predictions? And we're going to go through them um, pretty quickly um, for week six. So we got Michigan and USC kicking us off in, in week six. Where do you, who you got, Josh? I got USC, and it's going to be a closer game than everybody's going to say. Um, Michigan put up a put up a pretty good fight against Boise. They held Boise to, I believe, their season low of point total last week. So Michigan had a, played a good game. Their offense has struggled to score points. So obviously when you can't score points against a team like Boise, you're probably not going to win. But USC is a different challenge for them. They have a lot of talent. They have a, a very mobile quarterback in Thrasher Baines. Um, you got Case Blazer, who is just, you know, a nightmare, both offense, defense, special teams. I think they could even put him at kicker and he'll make a 90-yarder. That's how good he is. Uh, (laughs) So I think Michigan has some room to improve off of last week. They have some momentum, but they're going up against a very good USC team. Uh, And Clayton Denny needs to start clicking with these wide receivers and Michigan really wants to stand a chance. I have USC by 12. Okay. All right. Um... Ray Ray, where do you how do you see that game going? Michigan well, Tennessee game. Well, having already played Michigan and kind of knowing a little bit about them, they're better than their record indicates defensively. But they they kind of a mess on offense right now. They they have no identity. They they don't know whether they want to run it or throw it or what they want to do. It's it's they need to find an identity and, and kind of stick with it, you know? Um yeah. USC, I think, is just too much on offense with Lindy and Case Blazer and Thrasher Baines. And um, I, I I have USC by 14. Okay. Nah, and, and I think we're all in agreement there. I, I got USC winning by 10. Um, and I agree with both of you. I think Michigan's that team that if they can just find their rhythm on offense – and 
you know, Denny can start making those connections and building those that chemistry with his wide receiver core, it's going to open up that playbook for him and allow them to move the ball uh, a little bit more efficiently. But um, I think USC's just way too talented in the secondary and is going to give them fits. Um, and it's going to be hard for that chemistry to be built. So I got USC by 10. Um, moving on to Alabama FSU. And now this is a very intriguing matchup to me because both teams are really, really talented and both teams are really on the cusp. Josh, what are, what are your thoughts? Um, this game is going to be very, very similar to the first one, I think. Alabama has a tremendous squad. My problem with Alabama is that they're one-dimensional on offense. Mm-hmm. They have not found a way to get Blake Moon involved in this offense in any capacity, and it makes it real easy for a veteran AD like Tom to be like, okay, well, I know what my secondary can do. I know what my linebackers can do with Winter and Talok. Yeah, I'm just going to drop back and put pressure and put pressure in Doug Day's face all day, and we've seen time and time again you put pressure on Day, he tends to make mistakes. It's when he has a clean pocket, it's when he lights people up. If you put a little bit of pressure in his face, he's, he's very mistake-prone. Um, I think that FSU is too much. Uh, they are a great team. They have a good offense. Rocco Lacey's having a great year. Gabe Dowden's having a great year. And I look for that to continue. I have FSU by 17. Man, that's, that's interesting. Um, Ray Ray, what do you got? All right. Well, 17, really? Oof. Yep, 17. Um, I, I'm not biased to receivers or anything at all, but um, I think the way this game, the way I see this game going is with Brogdon Spiro, Tyrone Young, Zach Stone, Joe Idol. I mean, they there's there's so much talent on that that Alabama offense. Um and it's bad I always go back to offense considering the defense wins championships. Uh, but with the Bama offense, there's there's I think there's too much firepower there. Um Florida State has struggled the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, they 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 lost to a Clemson team who's good, but not great. Yeah, they're they're, they're playing an Alabama team who's on the verge of being great. Um, I think Alabama's a much better team than Clemson, um, and they gave up thirty nine to Clemson. They're they're they could give up a lot more than that. Um, I have Alabama by ten. Okay. No, not, you know, I agree um, to an extent. I, I think Alabama is going to be too much for FSU. Um, Alabama definitely needs to figure out how to get Blake Moon involved in the running game. They've got to figure that piece out to make their, their offense a little bit more more than one-dimensional. Um, and it's intriguing because both of these teams are, are three and two. Both of these teams are sitting at, you know, the same point differential. Um, so I, I, I just, I think Alabama is going to come out and is going to try and make a statement of why they, for, for them, this is going to be a, a game that they have to make a statement in order to, to really put themselves into a position to be looked at for the playoff picture. 
Um, and, and so I just think Alabama is going to come out and win by 14. Woo. Woo. Y'all just been forgetting that FSU has been in the playoffs. They have. In the last two seasons. They have. <laughs> yeah. And, and I get that. 100%. And Tom has always had a sneaky way of winning these games. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying right now. Tom always has a way of sneaking these games in and just lighting up a show. So Yeah, but we'll when, when you're talking about two veteran ADs like Tom and like and like David Ware, it's it, it's kind of tit for tat and 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 which AD you're going to you're going to choose. So that's why I broke it down by I mean, Florida State's got Rocco Lacey. They they're 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 talented on offense, but they're not as talented on offense. They're talented on defense, but again, that the Alabama offense is is just just too much. Yeah, uh, I feel you. I feel you. And I mean, and that's one of those games. Honestly, I think it can be a coin toss, right? Um, both of them are, are really good, but I just think Alabama's going to come out. After that, that's how I think they took last week. They, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna move on to to game number three, and it's it's Boise State at Ohio State. Working. Who you got? Well, Boise State, Ohio State. I mean, this is a very interesting matchup. You have a team at Boise State that's rolling. And they haven't been slowed down, and they haven't been challenged yet. Then you have a team like Ohio State that's been so gritty and so, you know, gut strong in every game. They're fighting, and they've been fighting for four quarters. My keys to success for Ohio State: you got to make Boise State fight for four quarters. If you make this a game in the fourth quarter, and you walk into the fourth, and you were within a score, or you're ahead by a score, and it's a one-score game, I like Ohio State. Just because they've been there. They've done that, and they excel in it. They've won more often than not when these very tight scoring games. However, if Boise State gets on a roll, look out, because there's no stopping that train once it gets going. I have Boise State by 10. Okay. Ray Ray, this is your team. How do you see this game going, brother? Um, <clears throat> well, just looking at at Ohio State's defense and how many turnovers they've created this year, it's really impressive. Um, I think this game is going to boil down to defense. And I have to give credit to my defense. I think we're the most underrated defense in the league. Uh, I mean, we we lead, we lead the league in scoring defense. We we literally have shut teams down for for quarters at a time. I mean, we've let teams score you know big points in in a half, and then the other half completely shut out. Um, I like OSU a lot. They're a very good football team. Um, I mean, Deion Prince and Vince Seeger and and. Michael Ruger and the whole crew on defense over there, it, they're, they're a gritty bunch, and, and they play tough for four quarters. There's no doubt. Yeah. yeah. But with that being said, I have Boise by 17. Okay. I, 
I agree um, in the sense that if Ohio State comes out and allows Boise State to put too many points up too quickly, um, this game can get very, very ugly. On the flip side of that, Ohio State's defense is very, very talented and it's very stacked. Um, we saw what they were able to do against USC. We've seen what they've been able to do against other teams. And uh, you've got Ohio State at 4-1, and one, Boise State at 5-0. and oh. um, I think Boise State's just going to be too much for Ohio State. But I think this is going to be a little bit closer game. And I, I got Boise State by three. I think it's going to be a really good game. I could definitely see that happening. I can definitely see that being the case, you know, a, a close game like that. And one of, that, the, one of the other things that might be overlooked in this game, you know, we're talking about how much – how many times OSU takes the ball away is how little Boise gives the ball away. Yeah. And – that's a very true statement. And, you know, Ohio State does a very great job at causing those turnovers. Um, can they do that against Boise State? And and if they can create those turnovers and give themselves great field position and capitalize on those turnovers, Ohio State can very well win that game. But does Boise so. State – but the question is really, does Boise State give the turnovers away? Um and I think that's what's going to be a deciding factor in that game. Moving on to game number four. Um, and, and this is just as much for me an exciting matchup being a former Aggie, uh, myself being a former um, defensive coordinator for, for the Aggies, um, Oklahoma State and at TAMU. What's it? Talk to me, brother. How's this game going in your head? We're excited. I can tell you that as a as a group of men here and lady at Texas A&M, we're excited because we've rattled off three ranked wins, two of which have been top five teams, and still people are saying, "But what did they do week one and two? Yeah, and we're tired of hearing it. We're just tired of it. Uh, we have a chip on our shoulder. I think you've seen that the last couple of weeks. We're going out there and we're doing our brand of football and we're, you know, laying into people that everybody says we can't beat. This is just another topic of discussion. But now we're going up against the unbeatable OK State. They're going to roll Texas A&M. We know you've heard it. We've seen it. And we're tired of listening to it. Texas A&M by 14. Oh, wow. OK. Ray Ray. Yes, sir. So... I made the statement the other night on a podcast about who has Texas A&M beat. Oh, man, man, oh, man. What was I thinking? <laughs> I mean, three ranked wins. That's pretty pretty stout. I actually have Texas A&M as the hottest team in the country right now. Are they the yeah. best team in the country? I don't know. But they're the hottest team in the country. Um. Oklahoma State's offense versus A&M's defense. It's going to be it's going to be a battle. Um since the playbook change, A&M's offense is now 
matching their defense, if not better than their defense. Um, and yeah. Oklahoma State, who gave up 41 to Texas, stopped Texas A&M, who put up 48 on one of the top three defenses in the CFSL. Yeah. In Nebraska, they scored 48 against them. So, with that being said, I think it's going to be – I. I think it's going to be like a 48-45 Texas A&M by three. Okay. Now, I, being on A&M last season and really seeing that not much changed on, on their defense, right? Um, yeah, you lost a linebacker, but you filled that linebacker with a five-star. Um, you, you lose a safety, but you <clears> – <throat> You bring in, you know, Josh Clayton. Uh, you lose T.J. Smith on the D-line, but you, you, you fill that, that hole. Um, so, really not much has changed. And if I'm being honest, I think this defense is looking a little bit better than what they did last season um, collectively as a team, right? You're not, you don't have to rely on Allie Peters making 21 tackles in a game. Um so this defense has looked really, really stout this season. And I don't think a lot of credit's being given to that, that defense. Um, on the flip side, when you look at what A&M did last season on offense versus what they're doing this season on offense, it's night and day difference. Um, with really not a whole lot of changeover on the offense either. So I think changing the playbook like they did at that point was the right move for A&M, and it's really put them in a position to to just carry that momentum from game to game to game. And I think that this one stands a really good chance for A&M to come in and really beat Oklahoma State. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Oklahoma State. They're 5-0. and um, They've got a daggone – what is it? Um, where's my note on Oklahoma State? Uh Maybe I should put my glasses on so I can read. Um, I mean, you, you look at the the point differential for Oklahoma State, sixty two. It's po- it's a positive sixty two. So I mean, they're they're winning their games pretty pretty handedly. Um, I I just that A and M defense looks different. There's something special about that A and M defense. And then whatever Jimmy G and and that the coaching staff there at at A and M did for the offense has just really turned that program around. And um, man, I think they're going to come in with a with a momentum swing um, in their favor, and they they very well will probably end up catching Oklahoma State off guard. Um, I got Oklahoma, I got A and M by ten. I will say this: uh, we want this bad for our AD. Uh, we want this bad for him. We know how much he wants this game, and this will be his staple win. This will be that win that kind of gets everybody talking in the right direction towards what he's doing out here because he's doing a fantastic job out here in Aggieland. He gets us fired up every single week. He puts in the work, and there's just sometimes I don't think that he gets the respect that he's he's probably due because Eric Mays does a great job out here in Aggieland, and uh. To Oklahoma State, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, nothing to be apologetic about, man. This is this is going to be a great matchup. This and it's crazy because you got Bo- uh, Boise State and o- Ohio State followed by another great game, a 
of Oklahoma State and TAMU. Um, so these are two games that I think really we should easily f- see a hundred viewers on for both those games because um, they're just gonna be they're gonna be shootouts um, and they're gonna be great games. Um, moving on to Notre Dame and Oregon. What are you, what? How do you see this playing out? Because Notre Dame and both teams really need to have a, a, a good, solid win. And I think this can be a good, solid win for either one of those programs. So, so what do you, what, what do you, what, what strikes you about this game? It's a tale of two teams, isn't it? Uh, Notre Dame came out week one and two and they set the world on fire. They looked, their offense looked unstoppable. Their defense was opportunistic. Yeah. They beat both teams they played big. They looked unstoppable. Since then, however, we've seen a different side of Notre Dame. We've seen kind of this Jekyll and Hyde thing that Notre Dame has shown the last couple seasons to where, yes, at any given day, they can beat anyone in the country. However, can they do it consistently throughout the season? Oregon, you look at them and you say, wow, on paper, this team is just jacked. They got talent everywhere. But they haven't been able to figure out how to make it all work together. You have two two long trains and a nine long tree on the defense with Ilaga and all those guys, Pine Saw. And then you look on offense, you got Jefferson Allen, you got Puma Longtree, you got Sanders. I mean, yeah. Talent. Talent out the the window, man. Like this team is so talented, they have but they haven't ever worked together. And I think it's if they can get it all the gel, this team's unstoppable. Um, I honestly don't know how to call this one, man. Like it, these two teams have been so much Jekyll and Hyde this entire season. I, it's hard to predict who's going to come out of this one. Both of them desperately need to win to keep the playoff hopes alive. But uh, I think I trust. I think I trust Notre Dame more in this one. Yeah. Than I do Oregon. Uh, so I'm gonna go Notre Dame in a close one. Notre Dame by three. Okay. Ray Ray. Oh, man. Let's see. Notre Dame turned the ball over, what, seven times last week? Yeah, seven times. That's that's a scary number of turnovers in one yeah. game. Um, and, now they're, and now they're going against that defense? Wow. Uh, so, so, Notre Dame, again, like y'all said, have been Jekyll and Hyde this season. But what I've noticed is they're Jekyll and Hyde because they're starting to face better defenses. Um, the offense just hasn't been able to produce like it did in the first couple of games because they've seen better defenses. Um, with that being said, I, I, I feel like I feel like Juice Jammer and that Oregon offense has has just struggled to get things going to keep up with their defense. Um, and I have this as a really low-scoring game because um, Notre Dame's defense is is, is stout. They're they're just they're almost as good as anybody in the country. Um, uh, I have it a very low-scoring game, and I have Notre Dame winning this one. Um, I actually can give you a score. I got them twenty-four to ten. Okay, so by fourteen. By fourteen. Okay. And I can definitely see that. And I probably agree with your prediction a little bit more. I think Notre Dame wins this game. 
Um, if you look at both of these two teams, right, um, t- both of them sitting at two and three, both of them, when you look at their opponent rankings, um, 16 and nine, that, that, that's what they have gone against. Teams that are – of the five teams that they've played already, 16 wins and nine losses. So they're playing very competent teams that are going out there and winning every single week. Um, with minimal losses, um, here's the here's the difference between these two teams. Oregon has a point differential of negative ten. Notre Dame has a point differential of plus forty one. Notre Dame's offense seems to click better than Oregon's. Um, I just see Notre Dame winning this probably by ten points, and. and would definitely would not be surprised if it if it ended up the way you predicted the Ray Ray at twenty four to ten. Um, this game is just going to be one of those games where it's hard to gauge them. But when you just look at the numbers, both of these teams have just faced really stiff competition, and they're they're where they're at because of the competition they faced. Um, it just seems that Notre Dame tends to do a little bit better against those against that competition. Uh, moving on to Clemson and Auburn. Um, as a former Clemson player, Wookie, where do you see this? How do you see this going for Clemson? What do they got to do in order to be not only Auburn, but to 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 game plan better than 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 one of the legends in the league uh, in Pat? Well, historically, Clemson has not done well against the Auburn Tigers. That's dating back. To my time there, stating back even before that. Um, if I'm looking at – if I was at Clemson right now as a coach, what would I do to try to beat Auburn? One, you got to contain Ron Newman. I think they have the pieces on defense to do that. They have a they have a solid defense. Uh, they're starting to figure themselves out on defense. You can tell early in the season that they were missing some of the pieces they lost last year because they lost a lot. Let's not understate how much that Clemson defense lost last season. Yeah. They lost their starting safe, free safety. They lost their starting strong safety. They lost one of their linebackers. They lost another linebacker to graduation that no one's talking about. They lost their starting cornerback in DJ Law, who who uh, went to the draft early. They lost Bill McAllister. <laughs> they lost uh, they lost one of the defensive ends. So they this team lost a lot. Yeah on the defensive side of the ball. And they had to pick it up, and they're still trying to find themselves. You know, I'm good friends with uh, Mr. Olive out there, who is their defensive captain. And I joke with him from time to time in league chat, like, so what's the new nickname of this Clemson defense? And they say, we haven't figured that out yet. Because obviously the ambush days are over. It, it, it's not You can't keep rolling with the same name when you lose that yeah. much. But they had the pieces and they're starting to figure themselves out. Connor Looney has been playing a really well as of late. Um, on offense, it's simple. The recipe is simple. It's been simple since Dane Jones stepped foot on that campus. You feed him the ball, you have a good chance to win. Yeah. Keep the ball in Dane Jones' hands. Let Scott – that's what they did last week. They fed Dane Jones. They let Scott Fountain be a playmaker. That's what Scott Fountain is. More than anything, more than a quarterback, more than a scrambler. He's a playmaker. 
So let Dane Jones wear out the defense. Let Scott Fountain be a playmaker. Unfortunately for Clemson, they're going up against Matt Pack. And they're going up against the Auburn Tiger team that is desperate for a win. They need one. They need to keep pace in the SEC. And I don't see Matt Pack losing this game. Ron Newman and, and Loki Lawler and Sean Flower Day, just for an example, this is going to be too much for the Clemson Tigers, unfortunately, as the Tigers continue to rebuild uh, Auburn. Auburn by 21. Okay. Ray Ray. All right. So, so in this game, is Clemson going to figure out what other teams haven't? And that is you do not throw at Sean Flowerday. Goodness, that, that guy's a beast. Um, but with Clemson, they, they don't typically throw the ball a lot. When they do, it's usually it's usually pretty well thought out how they're going to throw it. It's, it's, it's run first, definitely. Um, like Wookie said, uh, let Scott Fountain be a playmaker. Don't, don't force him to be a passer. Give Dane Jones the ball and, and let the guy do what he does. Let Scott Fountain be a playmaker. Um, big win last week for Clemson beating FSU. You know, with the with the last second, yeah. Mary, that was that was awesome to see. Um, but I think with with Newman and Lawler and and just the entirety of the Auburn. I mean, um, that offense and that defense. Their defense is phenomenal. Their offense is good. Their defense is phenomenal. Um, I have Auburn winning, but not by 21. I think it's going to be more of like a seven-point Auburn win. Um, Wookie left us. I have to join back in. <laughs> no, I agree. And, uh, you know, when you look at Clemson and Auburn, and, you know, I joined the, I joined the league when um, – during the playoffs of, of season eight – so, you know, I, I had the fortunate pleasure of sitting here and watching Clemson um, make their run towards a national title, uh, right? And then, you know, the following season, and then season nine, um, they played okay. And then in season 10, um, they just – they don't look – you know, much to what, what Clayton was saying is they're not the same – Clemson they were two seasons ago and, and not the same Clemson they were last season. They, they lost a lot of key players on, on defense and that hurts. Um, so now you bring in a bunch of young guys and you, you've got to sort of build that chemistry uh, between those, those younger players. And I just don't think they've figured that piece out yet. And it's nothing against the coaching staff or anything like that. It's hard to figure out that piece of how do you get these these guys to fit and mesh together. Um, and they just got it's growing pains. They got to figure it out together as a team. Um, I just I don't see them figuring it out in time for Auburn. Um, I've got Auburn by ten. Um, I think this is going to be a great game for Dane Jones. Um, I think Clemson can put together a good game plan and keep it relatively close, but uh, Auburn by 10. So we get to go into the Nets game, and it kicks off the Mac um, play on Wednesday. 
And this is going to be Ball State at EMU. And, um, you know, you know, having a fellow Matt coach in here, is, it's great to sort of get your perspective on this. Um, where do you see this game going? Because y'all had a great win against EMU. Um, NIU had a, a phenomenal game. And, you know, can, can Ball State come in there and follow up and do what y'all did? First of all, just as a coaching perspective, this game is very interesting for me, and I can't wait to tune into it. It's a team that I previously played versus a team yeah. I'm about to play. So I get to kind of see <laughs> yeah. where the team that I just played changes up what they just did. That way, if I ever see them again in the future, I can adjust for that. And I get to see a team I'm about to play. Look at what I did because I set, kind of, you know, you set the recipe of how you beat them last week and see if they try to mimic me at all. And then see if I can use that to capitalize – in the future. Um, Ball State is a team that I I love their head coach. I think GSP is a good coach in this league. He gets his guys fired up. They're always positive. You never see any negativity coming from that locker room. Unfortunately for Ball State is that EMU just got beat last week. And they got beat by a team that whether I liked it or not, nobody wanted to lose to because you don't want to be the first person to lose to a team that doesn't have a win. So I think you're going to, yeah. going to be a very fired up and motivated Eastern Michigan team. Um, I hate doing this to you, Ball State, but I got EME by 28. Um, you know, so Ray Ray, you know, getting Josh's perspective is coming off that win against EMU um, and seeing, you know, sort of what does EMU need to do? Um, how does Ball State rebound against really was probably their worst loss um, this last week against Miami, Ohio, 57 to three. Um, they couldn't seem to get their offense moving. And really, they only got the only offensive ability to score points was on two field goals and, and they were only made up, able to make one of them. How does Ball State change their offense to be able to move the ball and, and to to come out and try and win this game against CMU? Um, well, I mean, I, I like, I like GSP a lot. Um, I think, I think offensively that the, the game last week was the first game where they've actually struggled offensively. Um, they've they've yeah. played fairly well on offense all year long. It's their defense that has struggled tremendously. Um, I and I don't see that changing. I think it. I think it's it's too much to overcome the talent the talent difference between EMU's offense and Ball State's defense. Um, I don't think it's going to be twenty eight. I, I got um, EMU by fourteen. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm picking EMU. Um, I, I don't see the spread being what it has been lately for ball state's games where it was like 35 or something, um, being the spread. I think it's going to be a little bit closer. I think it'll probably be a three, three, score game, 21 points, maybe 24 in EMU's favor. Um, if I had to guess a score, I'd say, I'd tell you take the over. <laughs> whatever that's going to be. 
Um, I, I think both teams are going to do really well offensively. Um, and Ball State has been able to move the ball outside of the last game um, very consistently and, and put points up. And, and I think GSP is going to fine-tune his, his game plan. But I, I got this probably being 41 to 20, um, somewhere, somewhere in there. Um, moving on to the next game, you got what I think is probably one of the most intriguing matchups for me this week, and that's Florida at Miami. Um, what, do you, what, what do you see Florida has to do in order to win this game? They got to protect the ball and they got to play good defense. I know it's going to sound cliche, but against a team like Miami, who is so explosive, and let's not discount the fact that they're the only team leading their conference that's not getting any love, like at all. You got Oklahoma mm-hmm. State getting all the love. You have Boise State getting all the love. And then everybody's looking at the SEC because it's a bloodbath like it usually is, and Miami's at three and two. And they're like, well, I don't know. Maybe the SEC's falling off. So you have that to contend with. I, I'm going to take the old coach's adage, and if I'm Florida, I am going to try to limit Miami's offensive possessions because I believe Miami's offense is just a little bit better than their defense. So if you can keep Miami's offense off the field and you can wear out that very talented Miami defense, you got that chance. Um, I think I think Florida has that puncher's chance in this one. Uh, they can land that left hook and they can knock anybody out. They, they've been very competitive all season. I just don't see them getting the win over the defending champions, fighting for a playoff spot, fighting for that SEC championship in a pivotal week six matchup. I just don't see it happening this week for Florida. I have Miami by 10. Okay. Now, uh, Ray Ray, uh, you weren't, I don't think you were here for last season. So Florida was able to keep Clemson out of, it was Florida that kept Clemson out of the uh, playoffs last season, right? Florida kept Clemson out of the playoffs. Can't. Does Florida do that to Miami this season? Does Florida come out, get the get the good win, um, boost their morale, boost their players back up, get them on, on, hey, look, we can compete in this league. Do they come out and get this win against Miami and keep Miami from being able to go into the playoffs? The, the short answer is no. That doesn't happen this week. Um, I do believe that Florida will get a win before the end of the year, um, but not this week. Uh, Mighty Maid has done a great job with uh, with Florida and and with the quick turnover that he had. Um, but he's going up against Doma. Uh, I mean, what else can you say? Uh, I mean, it's Doma. It's Miami. Um, they've looked like the Miami that we thought they were going to be the past couple of weeks. They they're they're back. They're they're ready to compete now. Um, I think Miami actually wins this game, and I think they win it by 21. Okay. Um, 
I'm going to go out and say this game intrigues me a lot because Florida's defense plays well. When they're rested, they play great, right? Um, and what I mean by that is it, uh, if Florida's going to win this game, they gotta, they gotta hold, they've got to win the time of possession. They've got to limit, and, and like what you were saying, Luke, is they have to limit Miami's ability to – to have their offense on the field, um, which means you've got to make your drives 10, 12, 14 play drives and then finish with points. Um, is Florida capable of doing that? Absolutely. And if they do that, I think they can – I truly believe they can come out with a win here. Um, the problem I see – is I don't think they get that going against this Miami defense, and I think Miami's defense forces those turnovers or those um, three and outs um, without giving up very many points. Um, I've got Miami by 13, and it could be or worse uh, if, if Florida lets this get out of control. All right, moving on to game number nine of the 13. We've got another Mac game going off Wednesday night, 8.45 p.m. You got NIU at Miami, Ohio. Crazy thing is you got both the head coaches on this podcast tonight. Um, Wookie, what does your team have to do in order to beat Miami Ohio? last week? The same thing that we've been doing all season. This hasn't came. We got our favorite. We have our identity. We know what we are, and we're really good at it when we execute. Uh, limit turnovers on offense. I think Justin Morris Jr. has done a great job at that the last couple of weeks. He's limited the chances he's taking, and he's really just going out and just playing ball. Um, uh, Bentley Jones has been that great veteran leader for that offense that we needed. And our wide receivers are really starting to come into their own. They're starting to find their place in this offense. And that's a very encouraging sign for uh, me as a coach. Defensively, uh, I think we finally picked up that final piece that we really needed in Damian Lewis. Uh, he uh, yeah, that was came out get. last week and he had a coming out party against Eastern Michigan. And he really showed what kind of what we were missing on that defensive side. Uh, before we were close, we would get guys in third and long situations, and then we'd give up a big run or a big pass, and he was kind of there to help stop stop that for us. And we were able to keep Eastern Michigan off the field and have their offense struggle. And uh, we created a lot. We created turnovers that game. It was it was all around the best defensive performance I've seen. Offensively, uh, keep doing what we're doing, but. Clean it up, or just these guys clean it up a little bit. Uh, we're obviously a run first team. We like to run the football. We're very creative in how we run the football. So we're not your just typical. We're gonna run it the middle, and only have thirty-seven different ways that we're gonna run the football at you. And you gotta figure out which one's coming next. Um, I, I see that continuing yeah. uh, for us. That's who we are. That's what this team has been for two seasons now. We're run first football. Team or a hard nose hits you in the mouth and make you quit. And if we, as long as we can maintain that and we don't turn the ball over, I think we got a pretty good shot. As everybody knows from my podcast um, history, I don't make predictions on my own teams. 
No, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm very much the same way. I try not to jinx myself. <laughs> um, Ray, Ray, what do you see between these two teams? What stands out the most? Um, where do you see mm. this going? It's tough with both head coaches uh, listening in, huh? Um, <laughs> um, let me see. So, so NIU, first off, JMJ, phenomenal quarterback. I mean, he – a lot like Scott Fountain. He's a playmaker. You, you just got to let him make plays. Um, but with that being said, I think the talent differential between the two teams is just too much for NIU to overcome. Um Miami of Ohio is loaded on offense, loaded on defense. I actually had them picked as as my favorite to win the MAC at the beginning of the season. Um, with that being said, I have Miami U over NIU by ten. Okay, um, I'm gonna tell you what Miami needs to do because like. Like what? Yeah, I try not to to really predict um, the outcome or, or pick a, a, a side on this. Um, I know where I want to lean as a head coach, right? But on the same token, you never want to jinx yourself. What Miami needs to do is play the way they played against Ball State. They do that, they'll win this game. Um, the way they played against Bowling Green, they do that, they'll win the game. Uh, They've got. They've just got to play that same defensive mindset that they've had in both of those wins. Uh, that hard punch you in the face defense, not going to give you much of anything. Blitz all night, not getting another yard, kind of thing. Um, offensively, you got to look at who we've got on on offense. You got Curtis Andrews, who's uh, in the top seven in QBs in the league at QBR. He's top seven in total yards. As, uh, as a QB, um, he is a playmaker. He's somebody who's going to make plays when you need them. And then you look at the receiver core that surrounds him. He's got a phenomenal receiving core that he can throw to. So Curtis Andrews can, can make you pay on the ground. He can make you pay in the air. Uh, he's just got to play smart. And then one thing I'll give him, the dude's got 19 total touchdowns on the season with one turnover. That's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, 200 and something passing attempts with one turnover. Um, he's got to protect the ball because one thing that NIU is going to do is they're going to try and attack the ball. I love that about NIU's defense. They play hard every snap. Um, so this is going to be a great game, and I'm interested, really interested in sitting down and watching how this one turns out. So, you know, Wookie, from me to you, from one head coach to the next, I wish you the best of luck this week. Um, it's going to be a great game. By, on behalf of my team, we thank you for the hospitality. We've been in Miami now for going on uh, – going to be about a week before we actually get to play this game, and you guys have been more than accommodating. So we we appreciate that, and we look forward to going to battle with you guys before we head back home for our final game against our rival Ball State for the Paps Blue Ribbon title, and we look forward to bringing that title home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we appreciate y'all being there. Uh, moving on to game number 10, Oklahoma versus Nebraska. Um, 
man, Nebraska's defense is just phenomenal. And and Oklahoma, we can sit there and say Oklahoma's offense looks great, right? But uh, a lot of their points, when you look at their net points, came from really one game. Um, what does Oklahoma's offense have to do in order to win this game against arguably one of the top three or four defenses in the in the Well, CFSL? you got to look at what this Texas A&M did. Uh, Texas A&M developed the passing game through the running game. And it's easier said than done against this Nebraska defense because their defense is that good. It's not a myth. It's not a fluke. That defense is just that good. Their safeties are elite. Um, I have them as one of the best safety tandems in the league with uh, JoJo Salizzi. And then you got Ray Tate out there. He is. They're just that good. And then you look at everywhere else. They're stacked. Um, so you got to, if you're Oklahoma, you got to establish that running game with Thomas Welsh. You got to get him involved early and often, and you got to make that defense respect it. You can't gain two yards at a time. You got to rip off five to six yards of carry, and you got to make that defense respect what you're trying to do. That opens up the passing game. That opens up what you want to do. That opens up Falcon Bird. That opens up Oklahoma offense. To what they want to be, so but you got to be who you're not before you can be who you are against this Nebraska defense. Defensively for Oklahoma, it starts with Casey Bronco. You got to take him out of the game. Whether it's you force a fumble early and you get in his head, or you just don't let him get anything, because once Casey Bronco gets going, that Nebraska offense gets going, and it's the same concept. Nebraska is a very hard-nosed team. They're very much the same mindset of what I embody as a coach. We're going to run the ball down your throat, and we're going to play great defense. And I love that about Nebraska. And coming off the tough loss that this came off of, I really like this Nebraska team against Oklahoma, who's still kind of struggling to find who they are in the Big 12. Um, I'll, take, I'll take Nebraska by yeah. 13 in this one. Okay. Ray Ray, what's Nebraska got to do? What more can they do to, to really make the league see how phenomenal their Did defense is? I mean, um, <laughs> what else can they do? They, they, <laughs> I mean, they, they've done so much already on defense this year. I mean, Shalizzi's one game had, had two interceptions and a third that didn't count because it was an untimed down. Um, I mean, their defense is phenomenal. Um, Casey, like like Wookie said, Casey Bronco, you have to run your offense through him if you're in Nebraska. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and make my boy EJ Ruiz happy. Um, I think this is where Oklahoma makes their run. Um, I think I think they're gonna start winning more ball games. Now, like, like they just beat LSU, who's an ultra talented football team mm-hmm. with a great defense, great offense, and I mean they they kind of showed who they are on offense. Finally, um, continue that, and I think Oklahoma wins this game. Uh, I actually have this one as a pick 'em, um, but if I have to choose, I'm taking OU by three. 
Okay. Um, and this one is interesting in the sense that um, both of these teams have played um, fairly tough schedules. Um, and when you, when you really look at what they've been able to do on both sides of the ball, I think Nebraska stands out a little bit better. Um, and, and, you know, Nebraska coming off of, of a very tough loss against A&M. Um, Nebraska's sitting there probably thinking, okay, guys, we can't lose another one. We just can't. And, and I think Oklahoma's sitting at the point where does it really matter? Um were they too far already gone out of out of being able to be in the playoff picture? Um, I I just think Nebraska has more to lose in this game, and for that reason, I I got Nebraska by ten. Moving on to the next match game, and this one I think has just so many ramifications in the MAC and the how the MAC is going to turn out. Do they have a MAC championship um, in week eight? Or is it going to be a de facto MAC championship game in week seven? I think this game has so many ramifications. Um, Bowling Green versus Kent State. Working. As a Husky guy, I'm rooting for Bowling Green in this game. Uh, Simply because, A, I don't play them. And B, the farther I could push this pile of teams at the same record at the end of the season, if I went out, the better chance I have of putting my name in the hat and giving my team that chance to fight for that MAC championship, which is still ultimately our goal. We need a lot of help. We understand that we don't control our own destiny, and that sucks. But it's still available. We just can't afford another loss. Um, but looking at this game, I played Kent State, and uh, Kent State, it's a very good football team. Um, I think that we beat ourselves a little bit in that game, and I would love to have another another shot at Kent yeah. State, but unfortunately, that's the world we live in. It's football. You get one shot, and if you don't prove what you got, when you get them, then that's what you do. Uh, and if you look at Bowling Green, super uberly talented team. They have talent all over the place, and I haven't had the uh, the pleasure of watching too many of their games because I spend most of my time watching teams that I have coming up and uh, getting a game plan going up against them. But this is, a, like you said, it's a very big Mac matchup here in Week Six, and uh, it could very easily determine if we have a MAC championship game, quote-unquote, or we just have a de facto game like we did last year where it kind of falls into place like Toledo and BG did last year. Um, With that being said, I think Kent State is just that good. And uh, Bowling Green's been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team this season. And uh, I have Kent State by three. Okay. Ray Ray, what does BGSU need to do in order to win this game and uh, put themselves back in, um, in the running? So they need to figure out how to stop Dylan Tate. Much easier said than done. <laughs> um, 
Yes, it is. Um, that, yeah. guy, that guy is nuts. He he's so uberly talented. Um, this game, Bowling Green is loaded both sides of the ball. Um, talent across the board, but so is Kent State. Um, and it comes down to who do you trust more as a head coach, uh, uh, assured fame or chef pockets? And given what I've seen so far this year, I have to go with Chef Pockets, and I'm gonna give the uh, I'm gonna go with the Golden Flashes here by seven. Hold on. Um, as somebody who's played Bowling Green, and I try to watch the Kent State games just because of how well they've been doing, and I'm super impressed with their with their um, head coach, with their team, and what they've been doing this season. Um, and I take nothing away from them. Uh, they've just had a, a really phenomenal season. They're three and zero in MAC play, and they're going against a one and two Bowling Green in MAC play. Um, and, and I can tell you, as, as um, somebody who's played against them, I had the the fortunate pleasure of um, catching them completely off guard of what we can do as an offense, right? Um, had almost 300 rushing yards against them uh, between just our half, our, our starting halfback and our QB in that game. Um, so we went a completely different route to try and show something different, and uh, it, it really worked out in our favor. Um, and it could have easily backfired on us, but it didn't. Um, I think Bowling Green will not get caught off guard again. Um, I think they've learned that lesson, um, and, and I can tell you, Bowling Green's fully capable of stopping the run if they commit to it, and if they're smart about it and not over pursuing. Um, I think Bowling Green can is probably going to win this game. Um, I got Bowling Green by seven. I think it's going to be a shakeup in the MAC this week. I think mm-hmm. this week shakes things up in the MAC and puts everybody on a point where, wow, there's a lot of teams that can really compete for the MAC title at this um, after this game. So, nothing against Kent State and Chef Pockets. I I just know what Bowling Green's fully capable of doing. Moving on to Texas at LSU. Wookie, what does Juby have to do in his Texas offense in order to beat what last year was probably one of the most phenomenal LSU teams um, that we've been able to see? Probably one of the most phenomenal teams we've been able to see with what LSU was able to do defensively and just sort of like the anaconda just choke the life out of you. Um What's Texas got to do in order to beat them? Well, much like Clemson, this isn't the same team, LSU team, that is, uh, that we saw last year. It's very evident that they lost some pieces on that defense, and they're still trying to figure out who they are on that defensive side. Offensively, uh, the young bloods have kind of struggled this season to kind of take off, and the last season, we were like, oh, they just needed that deep threat, and they added that with Josh Knight, but the offense still 
it's missing somewhere. It's not firing on all cylinders, and it's kind of sad. It's sad for them because you know they 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 did everything right last season, and they were so close. And then they come out in this yeah. off season, and they pick up the pieces that they feel that they need, and it's just not working out in their favor. But to backtrack, they played a brutal schedule. It's been no oh, yeah. rest for the wicked at LSU. And I feel for them. I really do. And they're going up against another tough team in Texas. And Texas is on the same point that everybody else in the Big 12 is, is that it's Oklahoma State. And then it's everybody else fighting for that second spot, fighting for that playoff dreams to keep your playoff hopes alive because you can't afford a loss here in the Big 12. And that's, that's where you're yeah. at. It's either you went out and you assure your spot and you control your destiny, or if you take a loss, you need help. And no one wants to be in that position where you're on the outside looking in and you got to rely on somebody else losing in order for you to get your spot. There's two weeks left. Or, yeah, two or three weeks. There's three games left in the season. It's not a lot of time to make up your make up ground. So it's win now. This is where the playoff push starts to happen every single season. This is where tensions rise and teams really show you who they are. And I believe Texas is back. I truly do. Vito Pepino yeah. is having a career year just to be overshadow- overshadowed by Lyle Fletcher. But in my opinion, I think Pepino is having a better year because of his dual threat ability. I'm not saying that Pepino's not an athlete that Pepino can't move the ball with his legs. I'm just saying Pepino does it more effectively and more efficiently and more often. So I like the dual threat ability of Pepino, and they have weapons galore in that offense. Their defense is locked down with Deuce Manley and that company. Um, I like Texas by 10 here. Yeah, I see that. Ray Ray, what has LSU got to do in order to get to write this ship. Um, um, are they too far gone to be able to push for the playoffs? Too, I think they are too far gone to make a playoff push. Um, do I think that's going to deter them at all? No. I actually um, think that they need to get Josh Knight more involved in the offense. Um, if they get him involved and start pushing the ball downfield a little more and, and taking some chances – I think they come off the schneid and right the ship and not necessarily make a playoff push, but they, they make a run. Um, I mean, what can you say? Deuce Manley, Nick Harley, that, that Texas defense. Um, Yeah. It'd be a bad week. Not, not to be doing, doing what exactly what you got to do on offense, but I think LSU does. I think they they write the ship. They they figure it out on offense this week, and um, they get Josh Knight involved, push the ball down the field. Uh, T.J. Keen and and that that LSU defense. I think they do enough to to stop um, Hollywood Mason and, and Levante Griffin and and that that stellar Texas offense. I think they do enough this week. Um, I think they win in a shootout. Uh, it's going to be very similar to the Oklahoma State-Texas game. Um, I have LSU by three. Okay. 
Um, here's my thoughts. LSU, hands down, has had the toughest schedule amongst any CFSL team. Um, when you look at their opponents' rankings uh, or opponents' win losses, seventeen to eight. No other team has faced the kind of competition that LSU has, um, and that's hard. That's demoralizing um, when you're sitting back and you're two and three, and you're looking at it like, "Holy cow, we we've had the hardest schedule." Um, all I can say is, look, LSU, keep your heads up. You have fought and fought and fought in so many of these games. Uh, win or lose, you've never given up. Don't give up now. Um, trust the process. Trust your coaches. Um, I think LSU loses this game. I think Texas is – not that I think Texas is so much better than them um, – Again, I think this sort of rides on Texas has more to lose if they lose this game. And with the way that Vito Pepino has been playing this season, it's it's almost reminiscent to how he, he um, was playing uh, you know, two seasons ago. So this is let v- if you're Texas, you let Vito Papino do what he does best, and that's that's when you bowl games. Um, I've got Texas by seven. This is going to be a close game. It's going to come down to the wire, and I think Texas pulls it out at the end. And then moving on to the last game, this is another game that has huge ramifications in in the MAC, um, and. Toledo's not a bad program, and they've shown that they can beat teams of greater talent than them. Um, Ohio at Toledo, this is an interesting matchup. Um, How do you see this playing out, Wookie? It is a very interesting matchup. You have Ohio, who is on top of the, the Mac food chain. Right now, they're playing lights out, and you have Toledo, who's shown that you know they can pull that upset. They they played very good football. They played their brand of football. Unfortunately, they on just like NIU, they just haven't been able to close it out. Um, I think Ohio's a tough out for anybody. They have tremendous talent. Yeah, they have a great scheme, and they know who they are. And they believe in their, they, they believe in their system. They believe in their culture. And they believe in what they do. Um, I just think it's too much to overcome for Toledo, unfortunately. And I think it's a very good game. And I have it by three, 37-34 Ohio. Okay, um, Ray Ray. When when we look at teams and. On, on defense, and you look at what Toledo's got, um, Toledo's defense is really ran by the heart and soul of, of Ace Aries. Um, does he step up in this game and win on the defensive side, win this game um, for, for Toledo? Again, short answer, no. Uh, <laughs> very, 
very talented ball player. Um, just I don't know if there's enough around him to help. Um, Ohio's only lost this year, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I don't have the score in front of me, but I think it was 45 to 40 against OSU. Um, I think it was – I'm pretty sure it was 45-40. Um, that's, that's their only loss. And mm-hmm. you're talking about against one of the top four teams in the CFSL. Um, this Ohio team with Harrison Murray, Murray Mojo Rising, and I mean, they, they're they more loaded than some, if not most, CFSL teams. I mean, they, they have elites at almost every position. Um, and I think that's just way too much to overcome. I actually have Ohio big. I have them by 28. Okay. Um, my thoughts on this, I, I, I do believe Ohio comes out and wins this. Um, but I wouldn't be completely shocked if Toledo come in and, and gave a, a strong left hook and um, was able to win this. But I don't think Ace Aries ha- can do it alone. That, that defense would have to rally around him to stop, um, again, one of, one of the best – QB, one definitely top. Uh, if we're looking at the stats, um, top two two QBs in the MAC, and probably uh, one of the top ten QBs in the CFSL. Um, I don't think it's going to be enough, and, and I think Ohio is going to win this. Um, and, and I, I'm sort of on on the same sheet with with Wookie. I think this is going to be a close one. Um, I got I got Ohio by seven. Um, it, it's going to be a great game. So that's what rounds out our our week six predictions. And I know we went really in depth, and I loved it. Um, but we've got a we've got a couple more segments in here that I want to do. Um, one of which is just a playoff picture. Um, and real quick, just give me your eight. Um, give me your your top two from from each conference, and then the two that you think are going to get get voted in. Um, Wookie, who do you got for the playoff picture right now? Top two from each conference. Um, Big Ten, I'm looking at Boise State and USC. Um, I know they have a chance to play each other, and as much as I proclaimed that Clemson was going to go 10 and 0 in season eight with that same book and the same AD and, you know, roughly about the same talent. I have USC winning that game against uh, Boise State. So I have Boise State and USC with the same record. They're both one one loss team going into the playoffs. You can flip your coin to who's one and two on that. Um, Tom. And the SEC side of things, it, it's so muddy out there right now because I think it's what a four-game tie in first place right now, three and two. Yeah. So you can pretty much flip a coin wow. in the SEC and be like, oh, there's your champion because it's still to be determined. Um, I I like Auburn's chances. I really do with the experience that uh, Matt Pack has. Uh, but I'm going to roll with the defending champs winning the SEC once again. Uh, just because Doma and that Miami squad seems like they have something going. Uh, and then I would have Auburn sitting at the number two spot there because 
I don't see Matt Pack missing the playoffs for the third straight season. I just don't do it. I I can't yeah. see that happening. And then you move over to the Big Twelve. Uh, again, I said a lot of teams competing in a small space. You have Oklahoma State at five and zero right now, but they have three very tough games coming ahead of them. They can very easily drop all three. Yeah. So the you know, it could be a five and three, five and three, five and three. It could be a lot of situations going on here. Um, I do have Oklahoma State winning the conference just based off of they are undefeated right now. And I don't see them losing three straight games. Um, and I have my Aggies at Texas A&M at the number two spot. And I think that we finish with a five and three record. I think we do win out. And we continue doing what we're doing. And uh, I'm sorry, six and two record, not five and three. Six and two record. And for the out, the at larges, it's so hard, man. Picking just two teams. There's so many good ones out there. It is. I think Texas finishes five and three. I think that their only other loss comes against us. And I, so I. I'll put Texas in. I think there's going to be three Big 12 teams. Just how competitive that that conference is. And then I'm going to flip it over to the Big 10 side, and I'm going to put Ohio State in as well just because I don't see them losing too many more games. I think they did drop to Boise, and I think that's about it. Unfortunately for Ohio State, USC and Boise, I believe, are going to win out to the – they play each other and someone has to lose – so I think they on the outside looking in for the conference championship. I think Ohio State does get into the playoffs with that final seeding spot. Okay. Well, we're, I'm going to start in, in the toughest conference first. I have in the SEC as far as like the the not the toughest conference, but the the one that's hardest hardest to call. Um, I have Miami winning that one as well. Yeah. And I have also have Auburn finishing uh, second in that one as well. A lot of the same reasons that Wookie said. Um, in the Big 12, I actually have Texas A&M winning that conference. I think they went out um, at 6-2. and two, And I think Oklahoma State drops, of course, to Texas A&M and drops one more. Because this, this next three games are brutal. Um. I do have them finishing second in the conference. Oh yeah. Um, in the Big Ten, of course, I'm. I've got to go with Boise State one. Uh, I, I, of course, you know. <laughs> um, and I got USC too. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. At larges, I thought. Oh, I think OSU is pretty much. The Ohio State's pretty much a lock. Um, I, I think they're going to, dro- uh, of course, drop this game to Boise State. Um, this week and. I don't think they're going to lose another one. I think they get in at uh, six and two. I wish you could see my notebook on this one. I have five teams wrote down with scratches through all of them. I just don't know. Um, <laughs> I, had Texas, I had Texas, Nebraska, Alabama. It's Oklahoma. a tough call. I mean, uh, it's. I think when you come down to it, uh, the brass tacks of it, I think Bama's going to end up being the number 18. I think they get in off of off of the the player the the polls. I think they get in. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with most of y'all, or with the two of y'all. Um, so I'm gonna start with Big Ten. I think Boise State and USC make it in. Um, they're they're both just super talented, um, and I just don't see them really losing much of any other games in, in their conference. Um, and then moving on to the Big Twelve, I got Oklahoma State and Tamu. Um. For me, Tamu's got to win this game against Oklahoma State to to really solidify that, uh, to to ensure that they make it. But uh, I, I think if they come out and they win that game, they've pretty much locked themselves into uh, into a playoff position. Um, moving on to the SEC, I got Miami and Alabama. Um, what those two teams are doing in the SEC and it's just such a muddy water down in the SEC. Um, it, it's really hard to choose um, which one to go for, which one you think. And then when I just look at the analysis of things and what those two teams teams have done, I, I think they stand the best chances in the SEC. Um, and then the two teams I think voted that get voted in is going to be Ohio State and Auburn. Um, Auburn's one of those teams that, that Everybody sort of likes. They love Auburn. They love they love Pack. They love the culture that Pack has created around himself and around his team. Um, that it's almost barring them losing every game between now and then. I think they, they they're just going to get voted in. Um, and then Ohio State is with what they've done in, in inside their conference and. The way they've played against teams, I think Ohio State's just one of those teams that's going to get voted in as well. So uh, I think we're all in pretty much agreement on, for the most part, who the top eight are going to be. Um, and we've got just a couple more segments, and we won't take too much longer. But the Mac picture is so riddled with what happens this week. Um you know, I, I think both of y'all picked Kent State, and I was the only one that picked Bowling Green. Um, how does the Mac picture look right now, and what would need to happen in order to murky the waters up even more? Um, and how do you see the Mac sort of finishing out with a? Does it end with a with a Mac championship mm-hmm. in Week Eight, or does it end with a de facto Mac championship game? Uh, in week seven, looking. that's so hard to determine. It, it, there's so many variables right now because, yes, you have you have so many. Yeah, but I think there's what two teams with three wins right now, one team with four. Yeah, and then you have two teams with one win and Ball State, but NIU could win out. And that changes the perspective. Toledo can win out. Yeah. That changes the perspective. Uh, I think Ohio is the only lock in this situation. I mean, everything else depends on yeah. what happens with Kent State and what happens with Miami of Ohio and what happens with BGSU and what happens with Toledo and NIU. There's so. I think it's going to come down to. After week seven is when we're going to know what what's going on. Yeah, with the Mac. Yeah, because because if you look at it this way, say 
Bowling Green wins this week. Miami, Ohio wins out. And Ohio's only loss is in week seven to, say, Miami, Ohio. Then you've got three teams that are four and one in MAC play. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's so the MAC has been so competitive this year, and I've said it time and time and time again. I love it. I love how competitive it is because you don't have a team that you look at and like, oh my god, this team's gonna wipe out everybody like the BGS team, the BGSU team of last year. That's not a shot at the BGS team of last year because they were that good. They were. You know, yeah. you looked at every opponent they had, and like, well, hey, they're going to win. And this year, you're sitting there like, wow, yes, NIU is one and four. But if you take out their power three teams that they played, they are, I believe, we're right now, we're a negative seven total because we lost our, we lost our, yeah. our first two games by a total of seven points. And Mac played, and we just won by – no, actually, I think we're plus three because we won by ten. Yeah, we're plus three, and we're one and two. So, it's been – we've been yeah. very competitive. Ball State is going to get there. They have the talent. They have the team. So, they'll never count them out. Toledo has been there. I mean, this has been a very competitive Mac, Mac conference this year. It's been really fun. It's been really exciting seeing all of you guys grow as coaches because, you know – GSP and I have been here, and it. We know how hard it is, and to see you guys succeed the way you guys have been has been really fun for us. And we we hold no hard feelings. We're always there to help, and I look forward to the seeing how this year plays out. So as of this point, this is inconclusive for me. I don't know. Hmm. Ray, right Ray, now, how do you see the match? Um, I see the top half of the Mac just being a, a, a little bit better than the bottom half of the Mac. Um, Ohio, Kent State, Miami of Ohio, Bowling Green are just, to me, a little bit better than NIU, EMU, Toledo, and Ball State. Um, actually, that's exactly the way I have them ranked as well, the order I just named them. <laughs> um, to get to, to – what would I like to see happen? Mm-hmm. Maybe you can answer this question because I didn't look forward in the schedules. So I don't know if Ohio and Kent play each other this year. No. So Ohio's got Toledo this week. Yes. So, so Kent and State then they've got Miami, Ohio. In the Ohio is undefeated in the MAC. To shake things up and see a possible. MAC championship, what if both teams went out? I mean, both teams undefeated yeah. in the MAC. Yeah, one team's going to have, one team's going to be six and one. The other team will be, you know, uh, four and, or five and two. Um, but they'll both be undefeated in the MAC. Yeah. So, so would we get a ipso facto week eight championship game? in the Mac that everybody wants to see. Um, so I would like, I would actually. Yeah. I mean, I know it, it, it means Ohio beats Miami of Ohio, but uh, I would love to see that happen. Just, just for the conversation, you know, just, just <laughs> to say, Hey, 
we mm. need to see what what this is you know no absolutely and i'd love to see that i'd love to see where um does oh, yeah. how the admins respond to it you know what i mean um because if Kent State and Ohio go undefeated. Neither team plays each other. So do you – Do they? how do they handle that situation? Do they have a MAC championship in week eight? And, you know, to the point that, that uh, you know, Wookiee's been sort of saying all, all season is wait until we have more than one team go over 500 in MAC play. But at that point, we would have <laughs> over – one team over 500 in Mac play. Um, so do you, do you now at that point create a Mac championship game? Um, and then, you know, again, the scenario I pointed out, if Kent state loses to mm-hmm. Bowling green, but wins in week eight or excuse me, week seven, Ohio beats Toledo, Miami of Ohio beats NIU. And then Miami of Ohio goes on to beat yeah. Ohio. <laughs> now you've got a three way tie. How do you handle that? And um, you know, if if it came down to that, I'd really hate to be the admins on how you handle that situation. Um, because that that'd be a hard one to call. Like, who do you leave out, and do you create a week eight championship game in that scenario, and somebody gets left out? Um. I think there's a lot of speculation, and I think it's hard to really figure out what's going to happen in that situation. Um, I've got – we've got one more <laughs> segment. Actually, we've got two because i got a surprise for you all. Um, it's just, we love oh, you're pulling a fourth and inches now and doing surprises. I see it. I always do it in every one uh, of our episodes. So, um so the next one is just what to expect during the offseason. Is is the league at the point um, – because, I mean, let, let's be honest. Last season, 66 people transferred from the MAC into, into the uh, – or at least were in the transfer portal. I'll say that. 66 MAC players entered the transfer portal. Um, is there going to be more than that in this season? And if so – does the lead need to expand in order to sort of be able to absorb that in the power three? Plus, I mean, we've seen it what last season and the season before it was 150 plus new players. So does the league expand in the power three? Do they bring in something like a conference USA? Like I've been sort of hearing out on other podcasts how do we? How does the league sort of respond to that? What is something that we might be able to see during this offseason? I think they have to expand. I mean, if you just look at the talent that Mac has alone, they don't want that talent to sit in the Mac for two seasons in a row. And that's not a shot to Mac. That's really not. I love the Mac. I've been part of the Mac since the beginning. I was very honored to initiate it and then come back playing in the Mac for my second time. Uh, but they don't want this many elites and five stars sitting in the Mac. They just don't. Um, so I think that expansion is a is a need. 
Uh, if, going beyond just the five stars and the least that we have, if you look at the amount of people we still have coming in and the fact that there's a lot of MAC teams that are full that just can't recruit, that they can't take any more players. And that's not a good that's not a good oh, image yeah. for these guys coming in right now when they're only getting contacted by one or two teams or you know, maybe they're not getting contacted at all just because they're in a position where nobody has room or nobody can accommodate that need right now. So the league is in a very interesting position. We're growing at a very rapid rate, probably faster than what the admin had expected us to grow, but here we are and now it's time to adapt and overcome, and I can see expansion easily happening in season one. Yeah. Ray Ray, this is your first season. There's a lot of expansion this se- this this offseason. Four new teams in total, two in the MAC and two in the Power Threes. Power th- at the point it was power twos, and then it you know ended up going into power threes. Do you see something I mean, like that happening again where there's a lot of expansion? I think expansion has to happen. Um, I understand lo- the logistics behind it. That it, it's, it's not like we can just say, hey, we want to add teams, and it's that simple. That's It's logistically not the way it works. Um, but we're adding five to eight people a day. I mean, and it seems like constantly every day. You see, you see, you know, five names pop up. You see seven names pop up. Yeah. And it's like, it, I think it's slowed down a little bit here over the past, you know, two or three days. I've only seen, you know, three and four names popping up at a time. But that's, you're still growing at a rate where you, you have to expand. Um, what is this transfer portal going to look like this offseason, though? Wow. <laughs> like, Teams are going to be loaded. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. How? I mean, how? And and here's the other here's the other issue yeah. with um, but, where where I feel like we have to expand is we're going to have so much talent in the transfer portal trying to come out of the MAC that you know the 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 teams. I don't know how to say this without getting in trouble um, the the teams can only take so much talent I guess is the best way to put it some of that talent is not going to make it yeah. into a team because there's just no space um, so, so again it's, I think expansion has to happen yeah. um, and logistically like like you said it's time to adapt and overcome um, and, and you may have to add more staff or, or whatever you have to do. Um, but you're definitely going to have to adapt and overcome because because expansion is going to be much needed. I agree. Um, and, and here's why. So when I when I was came up with this topic, I, I wanted to go through and I was like, let me pick a position. And I really wasn't positive of what I would find. And I was actually quite shocked. So there's only three seniors at the That's quarterback right. position in the power three. 
three. So when if if one of these juniors don't declare early and go on into the draft, you're only only three teams are going to lose a senior QB. Now, we've seen time and time again through, throughout the offseason, like we see them trickle in right now, two, three, four, maybe a day during the offseason or actually probably in about two weeks, about week eight, it picks up drastically to like 10 to 12 people a day. And it does that all the way until recruiting. Um, you've got QBs like Murray, um, Andrews, uh, Roland. You've got QBs that are really good in the math. <laughs> Just that are probably going to want to transfer into a power three. Yeah, I mean, frozen. I mean, there's. You, you can I mean, pick Dylan any Tate, QB Dylan really Tate, in the map, and they on, do. The, they're great. The they're really good. Somebody not choose him? Glenn Tate. Wow. Yeah. You know, or do you not pick one up in the transfer portal because there's five freaking elites yeah. that <laughs> are, are in the, you know, that are going to be freshmen? You know? <sighs> There just won't be the position needs for if they don't expand, right? So I think they're at that point where, man, and if they expand, how many teams do they expand to? At minimum, you've got to do three, one in each one of the Power Three conferences. Um, but do they go to six new teams? I mean, there, there's – I would not be surprised if there's 80-plus transferring just from the MAC this season. There's just that much talent in the MAC. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how things unfold. I could tell you I'd love to see a few teams, preferably my Penn State, uh, Nittany Lions. Um, but I'd love to see teams like UGA um, come into the league. So – It'll be interesting. Um, The last topic I have is, so these power rankings um, and, you know, the admins have talked about, you know, the player polls and how they're just sort of not getting things right. Um, And and I personally – I look at things and I say, man, people just don't know how to gauge a team based off their schedule, right? Um, How important is that? um, Some people say strength of schedule. I usually equate it to strength of schedule, but you you could, it's, to me, it's interchangeable. Strength of schedule, strength of victory. Um, How important is that to 